And welcome back to another podcast episode of Let's Open the Bible. It's Russ and Gavin, joined by our friend Dustin Sizemore. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. So somber. Hello. <laughs> it's yeah. Eeyore. Yeah, that, that sounds more like it. <laughs> uh, today, listener, if you want to find the book of Galatians, I know it's barely in the Bible. It's in there. I promise it's in the New Testament. We're going to look at chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 24 and 25. And I'm going to ask Gavin to kick us off in prayer, and Dustin's going to read those two verses for us. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, it is a beautiful opportunity that we have today to come together, gather around your word, and learn more about you. I pray that the gleanings uh, that take place today uh, provoke us to, to worship you a little more, to love you a little deeper, um, and God, that we would share you with the people around us that need to know the hope that we have within us. I pray that you would do a work through this podcast um, uh, as it goes around the world. I know that that uh, this is available to people uh, all over the world. Um, and I just pray that you would do a spectacular work by the power of your spirit, um, provoking people by your word to be drawn closer to you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, Dustin, what do you have for us? Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. And so this is my apologetic that I use for uh, Heavenly Harvesters Ministries and the street evangelism and sharing our faith. Um, it's really... <laughs> so why are you saying, why are you apologizing to people <clears throat> in the streets? Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of people have that false notion that that's where the word apologia in the Greek in 1 Peter 3.15 comes from. I, but, I have to freely admit that the first time I heard uh, the word apologetics, I'm like, no, I'm not apologizing for yeah, my faith. I'm not ashamed. I didn't understand. Yeah. 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 And a lot of people do. I actually... Uh, <laughs> I had a, a buddy of mine recently who um, has started in the ministry, and I started going over some apologetics with him. And when I first mentioned that notion, he's like, man, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not apologizing for my faith. I said, me neither, bro. <laughs> me neither. I'm not. I, I promise that. you. And that's not what it means at all. I press back a little because while that was not my experience, um, and I've struggled with other words, don't worry about that. I'm just yeah. saying this wasn't one of them. Um, while I've heard it so often, like, I don't understand why we're apologizing. We're not sorry for what we're doing we actually or some people say i didn't know i was supposed to apologize but but yeah and then the, the thing that hit me is that you'll uh, of the um various ways you'll hear it i mean people pronounce it all over the place apologia apologia yeah i mean it's just apologia yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's variously pronounced but anyways yeah. why don't you take us through that just a little bit for the people that don't know what it means yeah and so first peter three fifteen says but sanctify the lord god in your hearts be ready always to give an answer that word answer is where we get apologia apologia apologetics from um, of the hope that's in us with meekness and fear and so it's actually the opposite of of apologizing and being sorry for us being ready being always ready to give an answer and so when you back up to that verse too it says but sanctify the lord god in your hearts and so all christians if we're born again if we're in the body of christ we're in the process of sanctification and you know in john 17 17 says sanctify them by thy truth thy word is truth and so a lot of people derive their apologetics uh, differently, but of course, should be through the Word of God. So, just as just before we skip on, and okay. um, do, do you hold First Peter three fifteen as a presuppositional text? Like, so you have to settle, you have to start with the presupposition that God exists, that His Bible is true. You start with those presuppositions in order to work through your apologetical approach. So, you have your people like R.C. Sproul that would that would differ from you on that, mm -hmm. which how do, how do you fall on that? Or do you know? Yes. Okay. Yes. Presuppositional apologetics. So 
Yeah, I'm a combinationalist. Yeah, and I would say, yeah, definitely a combination. Okay. Um, but okay. I would say mainly presuppositional. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. And so, um, Galatians 3, 24 and 25, uh, Ray Can can, can back up? Yep. For, for those that may not know, presuppositionals, combinationalists, we have listeners that may not know those terms. What do you mean by combinationalists? So, yeah, c combine several of the – I mean, if you look up apologetical approaches, there are 20. I mean, there, there are 20, yeah. and, and some of them are just downright weird, and others are good um, and helpful. So, uh, you know, uh, no thank you. Russ is being the, the distributor of water. He's carrying the water on this episode. So, anyways. Um, so, so I, I'm not, I'm not a pure presuppositionalist. I don't necessarily start, you know, I, I kind of interact with people based on where they are and I, and I, I'll grab from anything to be honest yes. with you. And, and so I know that like a, a Jeff Durbin or, um, uh, those guys would say, you know, you, everybody starts with a presupposition, presupposing certain things, presupposing words and truth and worldview and all those other things. We all start from that pre, uh, for, with some presuppositions. Absolutely, uh, but but sometimes I'll, I'll bring in the classical apologetical approach. So um, I don't know. I, I yeah. combine them, and I don't land strongly on any one of them. And I know that probably is illogical, and I try to be as logical and thoughtful as I can. But I don't. I don't land hard on any one of them. Okay. Yeah, and I and I think it's definitely a discernment and approach. Especially out on the street, you never know who you're going to talk to, what you're going to talk about. But it's always drawing them, especially a lost person, drawing them back to God's word, God's law, and using that uh, to convict the conscious. And so I think that's that's where verse 24 and 25 comes from, using that law as a schoolmaster, because the law never justified anybody. Justified by faith, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, Galatians 2, 16, you know, Titus 3, 5, 7, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. And so, uh, but using that law, Paul said, I wouldn't know my sin if it wasn't but for the law, right? right? And so the law is good. You know, Christ, <laughs> he magnified the law. He said, you know, you've heard, you shall not kill. I say, if you got hatred in your heart for your brother without a cause, you've already committed murder. You know, you shall not commit adultery. I say, if you look at a woman with lust, you've already committed it in your heart. So he magnified. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And so now we follow the law of Christ, and we know that. Anyway, that just sorry, one last thing before we move on from apologetics. I know I'm, I don't want to hold us back, and you were you were in the middle of it. This is almost rude, I feel, on my part. But um, but I just want yeah, <laughs> I just want to just say that the one the one approach that I don't like is fideism, where you just believe faith to to, yeah. to ask for evidence can either be a neutral, you don't need evidence, or it can actually be a hindrance to people, and that's fideism, you know, faith uh, alone, and right. they take that to the absurd. That you know you're just to believe to believe, and if you ever question it, you're wrong. I think you're exactly going against that view mm -hmm. yeah, of fideism. Yeah. I, I want to stand against that view. Easy believism. No, um, it, it's more than that. It's yeah. not just easy believism. So easy, you know, cheap grace and stuff mm -hmm. like that. No, this is more than that. This is this is to question or ask for reasons. You know, so um, oh my goodness, uh, who said it? Uh, who said what has Athens to do with Jerusalem? Tertullian, right? You would say that. Tertullian said, what has Athens to do with Jerusalem? And and so you, you don't want logic and reason, uh, thought, anything to go into this. You just believe. And if you have questions, that's that's almost an offense. You just have to believe. That's fideism. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I want to push back against that. We have a reasonable faith. Yes. And logos, the, the word, the logos, the logos, um, th that's where the root 
where we, Jesus is the, the eternal logos, right? The yeah. eternal word. And from that word logos, we get logic. I mean, mm. our faith is very reasonable and we are to give evidence uh, for what we believe. So yeah, yeah I, he, I would just press back against Fides. Yeah, Hebrews 11, 1, now faith is the substance of things so for the evidence, evidence of things not seen. Yeah, of things not yeah. seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Jesus, stuff. love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so, you know, the whole uh, Proverbs 3, five through six that atheists love to use, you know, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on understanding. You know, they totally abuse that verse and take it out of context and say, you Christians, you just don't use logic and reason and use your mind and use evidence. That's the furthest thing from the truth. Well, and I love, love, because I I see it so much that, that all philosophy searches for, searches for a first principle, their anchor, their bedrock. So I've said this before, I am that I am is is one of the most profound things that I have ever heard in my entire life. It is, It, it should almost take your breath away to think of that as God himself, the anchor of all reality. God is. I mean, even to say that is almost condescending. God is. Um, he transcends truth. He is truth. He He is the standard. He is. He's more than it, just God is. So that, that that is an extremely profound statement. So in order for people to move forward without a first principle like that, the for, the actual first principle, God himself, but for people to move forward, they borrow from the Christian worldview in order to establish a framework by which they can say, we believe this. But you've already borrowed from, from God. You've borrowed his the reality in order to make your point. Not only are we logical and reasonable, you have to borrow from our worldview and logic and reason, presupposition. You borrow from that in order to make your case and then then reject it. Reject God. Borrow from God and then reject God. That's that's an offense. All right. Sorry. Yeah. So I think you were starting to talk about Ray Comfort (laughs) like hours ago. Before you were so rudely interrupted. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, Living Waters Ministry, and uh, he uses this, and then very effectively, you can watch a lot of videos of his. Uh, hopefully one day I'm going to download all the ones that I have and get them all together and, and do some things with that, the Lord wills, if, if that's what I feel led to do. But I don't do that now. But um, but when he does, and it's, I hope this is kind of a dual purpose for the listener today, um, maybe for the lost that's out there or the saved, because when you use this, it's so easy in sharing the gospel um, and using the word of God to do it and going through the moral law. And so what we do is usually typically when people come up, we ask them, hey, are you willing to talk to us about life today? Why are you born? Why you die? What's your purpose here? And um, depending on that conversation can go a lot of different ways. But usually, you know, like Proverbs 26, every man will proclaim his own goodness. That's still being proven today just go out on the street and uh we'll go through the moral law with them and ask them you know well are you a good person well how do you define good because there's over 100 definitions for good but number one being moral perfection so are you morally perfect so therefore are you good and when usually the the kickback on that is is well yeah i'm a good person well how many lies have you told well hundreds thousands so what are you and typically, a lot of times, you'll have you, people won't answer that because when you say it about yourself, it is kind of a hard thing. Well, I'm a liar. Or you're still a good person. Well, yeah, have you ever stolen anything? No, I've never stolen anything. Was that one of them lies you just told? <laughs> you know, and kind of bring it back to that, you know. Well, what, so, so you said there are over a hundred definitions of good. Have you have you done a study on that, or just I, assume that? Uh, no, no, I have I have okay. done a study well, on that, and uh, 
anywhere from I mean this goes from Webster's to yeah yeah I mean so, you know so, yeah, any I mean uh, as far as there's a broad plethora of what we can say good is okay so like cause this is they, this is what fascinates me mm-hmm. ethics fascinates me mm-hmm. and and so like give me an example maybe or maybe a spectrum a you know a cross section of what you, what you've experienced when you've studied the word good uh, anywhere like I said I think the overwhelming arching theme of good is moral perfection to um, the abuse of being a good Samaritan today when people use that term. And so meaning that... Okay, no, no, no. Walk me through that. Sorry. Yeah. And so the parable of the good Samaritan. So when people, when people say somebody's being a good Samaritan because they helped a little old lady, you know, take groceries... Yeah, you know, so goods in the definition, that's not helpful right. to me. I know you're not mm. trying to be helpful. You're saying mm. all these definitions fail. So I don't yep. mean that you're not being helpful. I mean, these definitions don't yep. are, are not helpful, but because they, they assume something. So so moral perfection, what is perfection? What, right. I mean, I'm trying to look for that good. And and I, I, I have no problem going, if someone asks, okay, well, you define good. Yeah. Good is that which is of God, yep. right? Mark, so, yeah. Okay. I would say Mark 10, 17, 8. Why you call me good? There's none good but one. And that is God. Right. So absolutely. Yep. That which is from God is good. It's good. Okay. So, so, and anything that leads towards God. So this is that we've talked about it way too much, mm-hmm. but that teleological approach to goodness, that which takes me towards God is, is good. It's in the, it's pr- progress. It's right. It's moral. It's ethical. Those are the things. So God is the anchor. Uh, he's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the purpose, the goal, the end mm-hmm. for all things, right? He's the telos. He is the, the telos for all people. But again, to borrow from it without that, you have a couple options. You have, you know, your 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 atheist. I think it's Richard Dawkins who says there there's no such thing as good and evil. They just don't exist. That's a pure materialist. And you have your other people that say no, good exists, and it is possible to find them apart from a you know divine command theory. So you have your you know your Immanuel Kant that says that which would be good for a society, that which would be beneficial to make it universal in a society, would be defined as good. And those are your categorical imperatives. Or you have your the the greatest happiness for the greatest number of people. So good is defined as that which makes the most people the happiest. Yep. But well, here, we anchor it to God. Here's Sorry. a couple yes. for you. So good as an adjective is to be desired or approved of, or having the qualities required for a particular role as a noun. Okay, hold on. So, so let's can, see. This stuff fascinates me, and 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 Dustin is doing a great job of anchoring it back to Scripture. So read that again, and and just l- let's ask a few questions of it. As an adjective. Okay. The first definition is to be desired or approved of. Okay. So, so the example it gives is a good quality of life. Okay. So so then good is what. Who's the standard of what is accept an acceptable desire, or anything that is desired in that person's eyes is therefore good in that person's life, right? So, so money that a bank has, but I want it, is it good money? I mean, or or is there some other overarching standard that would restrain that desire, well, or is it just merely a desire? Again, it's an adjective, so <laughs> words of speech matter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So noun is really what you're what you're asking. Well, and, like even the adjective. But as a noun, this is where I think it will be more up your alley. That which is morally right or righteous. Okay, S- same problem. But let's go with the adjective. Okay. So you talked about it a couple weeks ago. The fundamental principles of the metaphysics of moral. Right, I'm pretty sure you did, but go ahead. Immanuel Kant, and you were saying, you were laying that out for us, and you said that he starts out with power. Power is neither good or evil, so let's add the adjective, good power versus you know evil power or something like that. You know, um, uh, and then he backs up and he finally gets to will. And he says, "There's," a, and that's kind of his, that's kind of his anchor, the will. There's either good will or bad will. 
They said, you still haven't gotten to the beach. You you never, in in a secular worldview, you never get to the anchor. You never do. And, and, And so you could read these for days. You'll never have an anchor. Not a transcendent anchor. It's all relative. And that's where we are today. Whatever I want is good. Yeah, the example they give, which is hogwash, uh, to the noun, that which is morally right or righteousness, the example is a mysterious balance of good and evil. That's that's the yin and the yang. <laughs> right. Which, by the way, you named your dogs. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, back to the back to reality. Can, can we uh, proceed? Can we press forward yes. in the conversation but, Dustin but, was having? Yeah. But everything here's here's where I just kind of tap the brakes occasionally. Everything that is coming out of the Word of God and and now Dustin is walking us through. There, these are deep, deep ideas. They're really profound, and so I love how you have studied to show yourself approved, mm-hmm. right? You've taken the time, but you're going out into the street of people who have not thought these things through and yet will swear that they're right. Yep. That you've done an immense amount of work on this topic and these you've thought this through, you've wrestled with it, you've studied it, you've probably watched videos on some of these by great teachers, you've been in books by great teachers, you've worked it out through prayer um, and supplication, asking God to kind of reveal these things to you, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your, your law, your word. So... And that you'll, yet you'll go out on the street and people say, I'm good, with no basis for that thought. None. Zero. hundred definitions, and they could, probably couldn't tell you one of them. I'm just good. Why? Because I'm good. Yeah. And yeah. so so uh, I yeah. love how you're, what you're going to do is say, okay, I'll take everything you're saying about yourself. We'll just assume that. Now walk me through what good looks like. Have you ever told a lie? Yeah. And that you, makes you a liar. Yeah. And you know, because uh, one of the apologetics, especially when it comes out on the streets, you have no right to judge me, which is a judgment in itself. So they don't even understand their hypocrisy in it. And so when we take Do you them, hear that often? Yes. Really? Yeah. I've never heard that. And all the times yeah. that I've said that, because I just ask them, I, I go, I'm, listen, what would you call somebody? Yeah. Well, that's what I always start off by saying. I'm not judging you. I'm not condemning you. You be the judge of yourself Amen. based off of the that's statement so that you just told me. You told me you were good. I told you the the expressed image of that was to be morally perfect. Are you morally perfect or are you good in any sense? You be the judge of it based off of what I'm asking you. Yeah. And does a good person do these things? You know, well, I think we, and they, they will always say, usually even before we go through the Ten Commandments, I believe that we ought to love our neighbors as ourselves. The golden rule, I'm like, wow, where'd you get that from? <laughs> and, um, you know, they will make these bold claims. And then it's like, well, you know, have you ever lied to anybody? Well, that doesn't hurt people. Yes, it does. Personally, oh, immensely. So, but if you, uh, I, I, just for for me and, and for our listeners, if you just keep it simple, have you ever lied to anybody? Let's not even talk about the consequence of lying. Have you ever, what do you call a person that tells a lie? Yeah. And you say they hesitate. See, I've had a totally different experience. I've had people go, uh, a liar? And you can see it's almost like the trap, and I'm not trying to trap them. I'm trying to confront them with the law and then ultimately with Christ. But you can see them feel, in, in my experience, that, that means nothing. <laughs> that's, yeah. not, that's not the standard. My experience yeah. is not the standard. But in my experience, they it's almost like resigned to a liar. And then have you ever taken anything? And, and they go, most people actually in my experience have said, no, I've never stolen anything. You've never stolen time. You've never stolen a pencil. You've never taken your brother or sister's toy. No. 
Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I've never done that. Is that one of those lies? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. It, yes. It probably is for, <laughs> yeah. for most everybody. But then this is, and and I definitely want you to go on. But um, then I say, what do you call somebody that's taken something that wasn't theirs? And they'll go a thief. And I say, well, I'm from Pittsburgh, so I'll call them a stealer. A stealer. Yeah. That's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boo. And right. Then you say, no, you're not. You're a lying thief. <laughs> yeah. You're a lying thief. That's All right. It. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. And so just to keep walking it through it, and if there's, you know, like I said, I hope there's a dual purpose. There's a listener out there today that you'll listen mm-hmm. to your conscience, you'll listen to the call of God mm-hmm. through that. And uh, and so after that, usually I'll go through blasphemy. You know, we, have you ever taken God's name in vain? Well, would you take your mother's name in vain? And I've actually had people that have told me, yes, I would. I'm like, so you would dishonor your mother and father? Is that a good thing? Is that what a good person does? So what are you? So I, you don't. I, if I'm there, I'm now. I'm projecting on what they say. You don't know my mom. My mom's not. My mom is not a nice person. You don't know my mom. Yeah. And you would say. I would say. Well, at the end of the day, why would you take your mother's name in vain? And not God's. For one, that's not normal. You wouldn't. Really? You don't do. I don't think that's a normal thing to do. And so, <laughs> when when you stump your toe or hit your finger with a hammer, you don't say, "Oh my," you know, Lisa Don Sizemore, which would be my my mother. You know, you use God's name or you use Jesus Christ. And why is that? And even in the Old Testament, it was punishable by death. They took it so serious. And why is it today? Why don't you say? Why don't you use Allah's name or Buddha's name or Charles Darwin's name? You know, why don't you use anybody else's name truthfully? So truthfully, you may say that you would do it, but in reality, you don't. I, I may press back on that one. I think you're, I mean, just just full disclosure, I think Dustin is just extremely thoughtful and biblically well-versed, so I appreciate everything you say. But I would push back. I mean, that that may be cultural. And by the way, studies have shown, I don't know this to be true, and I, I'm quoting a study that I don't know their method uh, of doing it, but studies have shown that if you slant, if you hit your thumb with a hammer, you experience some pain and you cuss, you rate the pain as less after you cuss, after you mm-hmm. probably use the Lord's name in vain as well. So um, I, I, of course, believe that there's power in the name of God and uh, and, and there is salvation in no one else, uh, for there is no other name mm-hmm. under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus Christ, there's power in that name? Absolutely. So I'm not diminishing mm-hmm. the, the effect of blasphemy using the Lord's name in vain or the power of the name of, of God himself and Jesus Christ. But I don't know. I, I don't know that I would necessarily say if they weren't raised in a different culture, they wouldn't say Allah yeah. as an expletive. And I guess as a pastor talking to you two versus somebody on the street, I would ask them, "Well, what are you defining your mother's goodness as?" Amen. You you just you just made the claim that you I don't know your mother that she's such a bad person. By what standard is she a bad Amen. person? So that's how I would probably dictate that with somebody on the street who says, "Well, yeah, I would say you don't have no idea she she's this, she's that." Well, she's a hypocrite. She's been in church her whole life. Well, what's wrong with hypocrites in church? By what standard is that even wrong? Well, and, and I what think, are you judging that by? Yeah. So what Dustin's getting at here is if you become the standard of right and wrong rather than God becoming the standard of right and wrong, you become God. And the only person that I've ever met that logically held consistent to that view was a man that said if somebody were um, having forced relations with his own wife, he could not say that they were wrong if they believed they were right because everybody has a right to determine what right and wrong is. So the only person that I know that consistently could look at you, Dustin Sizemore, and say, how dare you judge me? Everybody has the right. I, I have my right. You have your right. They have their right. The only person that is consistent with that logic also said that it was okay to force yourself onto his wife. That's crazy. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. That's what we call, what do you call that? Cuckoo? Cuckoo for Copa Puffs. Copa Puffs. Press on, sir. 
Yeah. Sail on, sailor. And so walking them through the moral law and to keep going on, and, you know, Ray Comfort uses this a lot, and he said this was what really convicted him, especially when it comes to the to looking with lust. He said, you know, when we look at, at murdering and adultery and these great sins, we don't look at it from a spiritual side to say, you know, well, that same thought that you just had in your mind is what Jesus was saying. It wasn't even necessarily the issue of the actual action, but what was going on on inside. And so using that law is very effective. Then after that, bringing them to the knowledge of Christ. So if there is a God and he's given us his law, he's given us his word, at the day of judgment, are you going to receive righteousness? Are you going to receive justice? Are you going to receive heaven? Are you going to receive hell? Based off of what you just told me, you be the judge of yourself. In man's court, in man's law, there's going to be justice, even with corrupt judges. Well, well, the judge that I know is not corrupt, and he's perfect, and he's holy, and he's just, and he requires justice. So on that day, you know, what, what are you going to do? What are you going to say? What's going to happen to you? You just told me you were a lying, thieving, blasphemy, murdering, adulterate heart. That dishonors your father and mother. Is that a good person? So let that sink in because I think Dustin keeps – let me apologize for interrupting as much as I have today because what Dustin was really trying to do for our listener is if this is, if this is the first time you've heard the gospel or first time you've been confronted with the law, the first time you've recognized that you're not a quote-unquote good person but you need a savior of your soul – you know, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. And it's hitting you today for the first time. I loved how you kept it simple until I convoluted everything. But, um, but just ask yourself based on the questions that you just heard today, are you a good person? And, and, and if you're fair with yourself and with what you've heard, if, if you, um, if you've walked through that in your mind, you have to admit that you're not that you fall short of any standard, much less the standard and holiness of God. You have fallen miserably short. And now you are you are declared guilty. And, yeah, and, uh, and, and by the way, we all have. You know, else. listener, if, you, if you're feeling the weight of that, just know you're not alone. Everybody has. None of us has, have fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law. In fact, we cannot. The, the flesh cannot, right? That's the point. Right. We need someone who can. Who did, yeah. And who did, and his name's Jesus. Yeah. So we are, we are a little over time, but Dustin, do you wanna, why don't you wrap us up and we'll, I, th- I hope that you've been confronted with the gospel. So just walk us through that and we'll pick back up tomorrow. But, yeah. but I don't want somebody to leave. Yeah. Let me say why I'm so, so um, concerned about this. Uh, D.L. Moody one time, uh, allegedly, uh, during the Great Chicago Fire, sent his congregation home to take care of their houses and their, you know, their, their, possessions, property, family, whatever they needed to do. And he sent them out of the church without, you know, saying, have you placed your trust in Christ Jesus? And, and many of them never returned. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's an apocryphal story. I've read it on a couple occasions, but I don't know if that's apocryphal or if it is true, but the idea is true. Regardless, this may be a chance for somebody today is the day of salvation. Today may be the, the chance that somebody has, um, if they hear his voice to not harden their hearts. So yes. And because of that law, you know, Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. It's something that we earn. And by, by breaking, that's what sin is, transgression, the law of God. And we've earned that death sentence. But God sent a Savior. And in his court, and in his justice, even in man's court, 
you know, if I've got a speeding ticket, I can have somebody pay that fine and I can walk away free. I didn't earn it. There was nothing I could do. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ done when he came and he shed his blood on Calvary, died, he rose on the third day again. And um, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Uh, but no man comes to the Father unless the Spirit's drawing him. And so my prayer for you today is that you would listen to that, put your faith and trust in the Savior, uh, repent, and uh, trust in Him. Right, and, it, and if... And just in case you're dismissive of that, that no one can come unless the Spirit draws him, right? Um, Jesus also said in that same passage, uh, the, uh, the Spirit gives life, the flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken, they are spirit and they are life. You have heard the words today. Uh, the Spirit is provoked in you by those words. You have heard the words today. Cry out to Jesus. Yeah, yeah. and no, uh, Romans six twenty three, what I quoted, the wages of sin and death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For God commanded this love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah, that's the good news of the gospel. Uh, it is God's power to salvation. And what the gospel calls us to is repentance for our sins, and then confession that Christ is the Son of God. He did pay our debt on the cross. And faith in Christ, by God's grace, is where we come to salvation. For with the heart one believes unto salvation, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So Dustin, thank you for walking through Galatians in spite of the many roadblocks you had uh, to do that. Say amen or say ouch. Yeah, and listener, um, pray that you have prayed or will pray to receive Christ if you haven't. I hope that you will continue to wrestle with the glorious gospel truths that uh, we've talked about here today and look forward to catching up with you in the next podcast episode. Until then, God bless.